0: Welcome back to the most accurate podcast tour here at 4, for Four Football and the most important time to listen to the most accurate podcast, given that it is now fantasy football playoffs. As always, I'm your host, John Daigle, joined today by friend in life, the man himself who already has early week 15 rankings out for everyone on 444.com, none other than John Paulson. Paulson, how's it going, buddy?
1: It's going pretty good. Week 15, uh the start of the fantasy playoffs in most leagues. Uh getting really into crunch time now and uh hopefully lead some of our subscribers to uh and followers to uh championships this year.
0: Numerous nice DMs from the followers as well who have made the playoffs, but now it's time to put up or shut up as we have so many Injury situations, usage fallout to discuss that we'll get to on the show with, of course, also director of analytics himself here at 404, Sam Hoppen. Sam, how are you doing? And by the way, I looked ahead to Christmas Eve and saw that. I don't know if you've seen it's going to be negative three here in Chicago. Are you ready for that as well?
2: Um, well, hi, John. Uh, thanks for that Welcome lovely hell. bit of information. On, on a Wednesday afternoon, my uh, wife and I were just complaining about how there is zero sun right now. Uh, and that's kind of killing the mood, but we're trying to push through it. Almost uh, bought some tickets to a Sunny Place this weekend for uh, a flight, but ended up not. So, uh, yeah, we're doing good, though. The teams are looking good. Excited to help everyone else out, and ready to get to it.
0: Well, before we begin, for all you cheapskates who are asking start sit questions in the chat, we would like to promote John Paulson's special show on Friday, Week Fifteen Start Sit Q and A, Friday, December Sixteenth, three thirty p.m. Eastern, for the Four for Four YouTube subscribers, which you can become by simply going to the Four for Four YouTube channel. If you're watching this live right now. Go ahead and click subscribe and like while you're at it ahead of time, and that will get you in to ask John your start-sick questions for the fantasy playoffs. To continue the most depressing time of the year, let's get to it. And let's start with Ken Walker practicing in full on Tuesday. The Seahawks, of course, have a short turnaround on Thursday night against the 49ers, and we are now expecting Walker to play. So, Paulson, after Travis Homer... Rugged everyone on the Tony Jones news, out-touching Tony Jones, 11-2. What are your thoughts on Ken Walker returning on Thursday in a tough matchup and likely being a bell cow in his first game back?
1: Yeah, that was kind of a weird deal. It hasn't gone talked been talked much about uh, probably because Homer didn't have a big game, but if he had had a big game, everybody would be filleting uh, Adam Schefter for getting that one wrong. It's a rare moment of misstep up for Schefter, it appears. Uh, not having the the the, the uh, having that backfield uh, nailed down in terms of who's going to be the lead back, but it was Homer. Uh, he didn't do much. The Seattle running game's kind of struggled lately, uh, and I'm not super optimistic about Walker uh, this week coming back off of injury against the uh, the 49ers. They're averaging 3.28 yards per carry allowed to the running back position, just 58 yards on average, rushing allowed to the running back position this season. Uh, just not a whole lot of fantasy points available to running backs against the 49ers. It's one of the hottest defenses in the league. Uh, so he's more of a low-end RB2 for me this this week, whereas he was uh, in the midst of the uh, RB1 rankings uh, when he was much hotter uh, in the mid season. The running game was going a lot better for the Seahawks.
0: Anything else from this Seahawks offense you're noticing Trend wise, Sam, because Geno Smith also came out and recognized, admitted to the media that he has not this these past few games been taking what the defense is giving him, even forcing the issue against the Panthers who are playing two eye safety against him. And he was still trying to hit the big shot rather than dumping it off to Travis Homer and his receivers and tight ends underneath anything to take away for the Seahawks offense. And again, what is likely their toughest matchup the entire year.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, I posted a chart yesterday just sort of looking at, you know, what quarterbacks are doing in in some of the easier situations, and, and Geno Smith has been doing really well at that. It's it's really his negative plays that kill him and the, the Seahawks. I think from a fantasy perspective, you know, Marquise Goodwin has filled in as a, a great role player this year, has sort of fit in nicely with that offense. I don't think he's worth starting at this point, but both DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett who I think might have a touchdown in like five or six six weeks straight now, uh you're going to continue to start I think. They're passing the ball enough to they have one of the highest pass rate over expectation over the last several weeks and continue to be throwing the ball a ton. So I this matchup is tough for sure, but I do think that there is an opportunity for those key players, uh, Metcalf and Lockett, to have solid days.
0: Amari Cooper told reporters that he would have to manage his core muscle injury and play through it practically the rest of the season is what we're thinking. And right now, Paulson, we look at this Saturday Ravens-Browns game that has a 37.5 point total Browns have an 18-point team total and have also been the worst offense in the league the last two weeks statistically. Just 16 offensive points on 23 possessions with Deshaun Watson under center. You love to see it. So what are your thoughts on Amari Cooper for this game, especially in one that he played through the injury this past week, and it was Donovan Peoples-Jones who sprouted up for a team I-12 targets and 27% target share?
1: Yeah, uh, Cooper is popping in the uh, Week 15 breakout receiver model due to his underperformance based on his usage, which is about 12.9 uh, fantasy points per game over the last three weeks. Uh, so that does indicate that the usage is there. It's also a home game, uh, which he has traditionally done better at home than uh, on the road this season. I don't know if that is a just a quirk of the uh splits this year this year but he's only had one big game on the road and that was against the bills otherwise he's kind of stunk uh most of his games big games have come at home uh i'm not i have him ranked 19th right now but i'm looking at you know who he's around christian kirk jerry judy mike evans kind of some other players that are uh you know kind of been up and down and maybe not the most confidence in heading into this week um I think I'd probably start him, but if I, I keep an eye on that injury report. If he's, if he's limited with his core muscle injury, then uh, he'll probably slide down the rankings a little bit.
0: Do you have Donovan Peoples-Jones over Omari Cooper, and what are your thoughts on him for this week, given that the Ravens over the last month have actually been susceptible to the big play? They're allowing the highest completion rate in the league on throws 20 yards downfield. And as we know, Deshaun Watson has thrown it five times 20 yards deep. Um, has only completed one of them these past two weeks, but all five of those targets have gone to DPJ.
1: Yeah, he's supposedly going to be attempting more passes downfield in the coming weeks. Uh, I still have Peoples Jones ranked as a low-end RB uh, wide receiver three, um, but I mean the Cooper's uh, injury reports will play a big factor in that. If he's if he's going to be limited in terms of his snaps, then DPJ will be moving up as Cooper moves down.
0: And given the team total, the matchup the situation, and the fact there are no more buys. I can't imagine people are in a position where they would even have to start Deshaun Watson in a one-quarterback league. I don't think you need to get there, and I think it's pretty thin, but I guess if you have to, sure. Otherwise, I'm trying to avoid it. On the other side of the ball in that matchup, though, J.K. Dobbins came out after his 100-yard one touchdown performance said he's not fully recovered actually from last year's ACL injury. And if you see that clip floating around on Twitter, where he's basically running on one leg and doesn't outrun the defense despite breaking through the safety uh, for a 40 yard run, then you can tell that he's still practically injured. What are your thoughts on JK Dobbins in this matchup, whether it be Tyler Huntley or Anthony Brown under center for the Ravens? Paulson. I
1: think it's a, I think it's a great matchup. Uh, the Browns are 31st and just a fancy points allowed to running backs uh, they've, they've given up an average of 114 yards rushing, uh, 1.08 touchdowns, 5.19 yards per carry to running backs this season. Uh, you know, the Browns have been one of the best uh, matchups for running backs all year. Uh, I think the concern with Dobbins is if he doesn't get a touchdown, uh, you know, maybe he has kind of a disappointing day because he doesn't catch a lot of passes, but uh, he should be able to, if he gets another 15 carries, he should be able to crack 100 yards or be close to it and maybe score a touchdown as well.
0: And Sam, it's just usage that I, I still worry about. And if you told me to lean one direction of Dobbins getting more work or less work, especially on a short week and his first game back from injury, uh, I would say less work. And, and the usage I'm speaking of, 43% of snaps, 15 carries to, to, to Gus Edwards, 13, and no targets for either. It's honestly like a situation where if the bottom falls out, it could get ugly here.
2: It definitely could, and Dobbins' 15 opportunities on Sunday was just the fifth time this season that a Ravens running back has earned that many opportunities. They, Gus Edwards wasn't far behind. He had 13. So it's still pretty split from a, a, a workload perspective. I think the biggest concern I have with any Ravens running back is the lack of high-value touches. Dobbins has just one high-value touch in his last three games played, obviously scored the long touchdown. And I think what's going to sway people to starting Dobbins is this matchup again, (coughs) excuse me, against the Browns. They have by far the worst rushing defense in the league this year. I think, again, the Ravens are leaning a lot more run heavy at this point in the season than they did earlier on because of the injuries to the quarterback injuries to they're offensive skill players or pass catchers. So I would struggle to start J.K. Dobbins. I'd rather flex in a, a different receiver or something like that if possible. But I, I do think your concerns are extremely warranted.
0: Let's go to the Patriots rotating backfield as well, because what we saw on Monday night was Ramondre Stevenson an ankle sprain did try to return for a drive, had to get removed because he was injured, was not effective. Damien Harris, who was doubtful and didn't play that game, did actually travel with New England to Arizona. So we think there's a off chance he could play here. But if both are obviously out, Stevenson and Harris, that leaves Pierre Strong and Kevin Harris to then man this backfield in Week 15 against the Raiders. So let's say Damien is back for this game, Paulson. What are your thoughts on this backfield and Damien in particular?
1: Yeah, they have JJ Taylor on the practice squad too. Just want to mention that uh, Damien Harris would be the lead back if he's the, if he's healthy, uh, I think, uh, but we don't know how healthy he is. You mentioned he traveled with the team, but he didn't practice at all. Uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday of last week. Um, and the fact that he did travel with the team indicates that he was perhaps close to being activated, um, but nothing in the practice reports indicate that that was the case. You would think he'd get a limited uh, practice on Saturday if he was if he was really close to playing. But again, why would he travel with the team? Why would they even take him with them and just have him stay in New England for treatment? Uh, but if he's back, I think he's a pretty decent start. Though you have to wonder how healthy that thigh is, uh, and if you know if he's out, I think PR Strong. He didn't have as many touches, but it was only eight to seven between him and Kevin Harris. But he was far more productive in his in his in his work. He had 90 total yards and a touchdown, whereas Kevin Harris only had 26 yards rushing on eight carries with a touchdown. Uh, even though he played uh, 10 additional snaps over Pierre Strong, so I would lean if it's, if you're talking. I think the tough decision is if, if Damian Harris is out, I, think I would lean strong. But it's probably going to be a committee, and they they'll probably ride the hot hand if they if one develops.
0: Sam, yours and Connor Allen's FFPC team has moved on to fight for the overall title with a Chiefs stack, too. Good for y'all. Myself, Connor, and Ryan Noonan's team eventually failed this past week because injuries just were too much for us to fight through. Nonetheless, if you are in a situation in these deeper leagues where it's just Kevin Harris and Pierre Strong available and a good spot against the Raiders, what are you doing in these deeper leagues with this backfield?
2: I would prefer Pierre Strong. He has, I think, that passing game work locked down for the Patriots if Ramondre Stevenson sits. And the Patriots seem to be very intent on running as many screen passes as they can. So this could be a game, even though the Patriots and the, the Raiders haven't been great, could I think ha- maybe has some sneaky shootout potential. I mean it's it's one of those things where the, the Raiders have shown flashes, but the, the Patriots defense has been really good as well. But in any case, I, I do lean strong. He had the the long run in the game as well and had five carries for 70 yards. So I think there's a possibility that he could, if anything, get the majority of the work. I do still expect it to be. A split backfield, but he did get 41% of the team's third down snaps and three of the five red zone snaps as well. So I would lean Pierre Strong over Kevin Harris at this point.
1: Yeah, I would just add that. Okay, I just add that the uh, the Raiders have given up the most receiving yardage to running backs this year. So the the point that Sam made about the the passing down work uh, does does work in Strong's favor.
0: And as I wrote in the waiver column, yes, Kevin Harris ran seven more routes than Strong, but the fact that Strong earned three targets on just nine routes, and now we have a Patriots offense that one, isn't creative, just runs screens every other play, but two, has targeted their running backs at the league's second highest rate. It's a terrific situation for the receiving back, Pierre Strong in this case, if Damian Harris is ruled out. Paulson, I have looked throughout the entire industry at their Week 15 rankings. And you, my good friend, are by far the highest on Isaiah Pacheco against the Texans for week 15, who is your RB12 of the week. So go ahead and give us your thoughts on the Chiefs' backfield after Jarrett McKinnon finished as the overall RB1 in week 14.
1: Yeah, I'm kind of making a statement there with the Pacheco uh, ranking. I'm not sure he'll stick at 12, maybe 12, 13, 14 with Aaron Jones and Nick Chubb below him. But it's just, you know, a great matchup. Sam talked about – uh, who, who are we talking about the worst rushing defense in the in the league just now oh the browns uh you look at the texans they're they're trying they're trying to have the worst 166 yards rushing 4.8 yards per allowed uh the most rushing yards allowed in the league 2156 on the year They're 29th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs i think the, the one concern here is that he's getting pulled a little bit in the red zone for jarek mckinnon but mckinnon had two touchdowns last week and I think it's probably Pacheco's turn to, to score. He runs so hard, I think they'll reward him with a with a rushing touchdown this week, and he should, you know, push for 100 yards rushing.
0: Sam, thoughts on the Chiefs' backfield moving forward? Because honestly, if this were a close game, given that the Texans now have a secret weapon in Jeff Driscoll, uh, I would lean towards Jarrett McKinnon since he was clearly in the game because the team, per beat reporters, quote-unquote, trusted him more in a competitive game. But that's the point we don't think this will be a competitive game given that the chiefs are 14 point road favorites over the Texans here. So we think it is going to pave the way for Pacheco to run wild.
2: Yeah. And I think we might've touched on this a bit last week, but these two have, as I mentioned last time, two very distinct roles. Pacheco is the, the rusher for this team while McKinnon is the receiving back at this point. So both of them had at least 15 opportunities last week. Uh, They've about split the snaps as well as they have the last two weeks. So I think both of these players are startable. Jarek McKinnon, though, has the edge in the red zone. He's played on 54% of the team's red zone snaps over the last three weeks compared to 40% for Pacheco. But again, to, to Paulson's point, I, I was just taking a look. So, the Texans allow the the most rushing yards per game at 167. I was looking at uh, from an EPA per play perspective. The Browns are worst here. So either way you look at it, the the Texans are bad. You saw Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott do well against that team against that defense last week. So I have no qualms with really starting either of the, either of these players in Week 15.
0: Let's move on to another situation because Mike White, in both mine and Paulson's opinion, is a QB1 this week. And Paulson, you weren't ready for this conversation, but I want to spin it into a start-sit situation with Tua Tagovailoa as well because given the fact that we saw now Tua's success come against the Lions, Bears, Browns, and Texans, and then complete just 46% of his passes the past two games against the Niners and Chargers, uh, the Dolphins also sitting with a 17 point team total on the road in bad weather Saturday night against the Bills. I would start Mike White over Tua this week. But your thoughts on Mike White against the Lions and just uh, where you have him ranked among some top tier options for people?
1: Yeah, I mean, Mike White's health is a, a question mark. Uh, the ribs, he took a really tough shot to the ribs, as most of us have seen. Uh, really amazing that he came back and was able to play. So, uh, it does appear that he's going to play, but they're, I mean, they they're, uh, they still are kind of talking about it as if he's not certain to play. So that's just something to monitor as we get, maybe into we the don't
0: rest- take everything the player says into account, but he did say he's ready to go. So whatever that means.
1: Uh, uh, Detroit is 30th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterback. So it's a great matchup. I, as you mentioned, I have him ranked as a low end RB, uh, quarterback one at like 14, high end uh, quarterback two. I have two in that same range. So I think it certainly is debatable. And you're looking at this weather uh, in Buffalo. They're going to get hit with another storm, but it's not the feet of snow that uh, we, we saw when they moved the game to Detroit. And I was talking with Chris Allen about it. And it doesn't sound like it's going to be too significant. Uh, but it is something to monitor. There, the snow will be falling during the game, and there is going to be wind that's in that 10 to 13 mile per hour. It's also going to be very cold. So the conditions aren't going to be great for the Miami passing game. Um, I, you know there, He does add a little bit as a runner, not much, but uh, the, this Miami passing game has been excellent all year. Uh, and then you're comparing that to, to the Jets, where uh, you know, Mike White you know, has a lot of uh, enthusiasm around him. But when you look at his overall numbers so far, I think he has uh, three passing touchdowns in that first game, his first start. He has two interceptions uh, in his second, and then I don't think he did either touchdown or interception last week. He did rush for a touchdown uh, against the Vikings, I believe. So it's not like he set the world on fire. Uh, It it would be a matchup play for me with White. Uh, the The pass attempts have been there for Mike White. Uh, You know, they've been a kind of a run oriented team uh, with zach wilson under center but they've been kind of featuring white a little bit more in the passing game um and then you could see a scenario where the lions offense can keep up and can score a little bit on the jets i'm not so sure uh that this lions offense is built to to score uh on the road against the jets but we will see uh maybe there's a sneaky shootout aspect here the jets defense is just playing so so well lately uh whereas the bills um, you know, you could see a shootout in that game too. You also could see a really low-scoring game with the weather, so it's it's a tough call. I would just keep and monitor the the rankings throughout the week as uh, you know as we get a little better handle on the weather.
0: I would just note Jared Goff two touchdowns at home compared to to no twenty touchdowns at home compared to just two in five games on the road this year. And Detroit, of course, has allowed five top five finishes to quarterbacks in their last seven games, including three overall QB one weeks. I will be starting Mike White over Jared Goff personally, given the matchup as well. I want to, I want to spend this though to Elijah Moore conversation. Everyone wants to get their licks in here. No big deal, Sam. Let's go ahead and start with you for the jets wide receivers. Overall, it's Elijah Moore getting the hype of course, but we still have Garrett Wilson being the number one receiver on this team. What are your thoughts overall here for jets wide receivers?
2: Garrett Wilson, most certainly still the wide receiver one only had six targets this past week, which was a little confusing, but he is firmly the team's first option. He ran a, a route on every single drop back this past week. But Elijah Moore, from a usage perspective, had his best game of the season, had a uh, season-high 10 targets, six receptions, uh, second-most receiving yards at just 60, ran a route on 94% of the team's dropbacks. I think the biggest part of that is Corey Davis leaving the game Early as of this morning, Davis is still in concussion protocol. So I think with the way we've seen things go this season, it seems unlikely that Davis plays this upcoming week. And again, to everything that Paulson said about the matchup against Detroit, I think Mike White, especially if Mike White is starting, Elijah Moore and Garrett Wilson are both viable starters in this Jets offense.
0: Go ahead with your Elijah Moore tangent, Paulson.
1: Yeah, he's actually startable this week. Uh, You know, we've been kind of dancing around it, and he's been hitting some waiver wires uh, after a few goose eggs in the middle of the season. His snaps had taken a big cut, uh, but he 82% snap share last week. He ran 47 routes compared to Garrett Wilson's 51. Uh, You know, as Sam mentioned, that that had a lot to do with Corey Davis only running six routes last week, but. I'm not expecting Corey Davis to play and get cleared in time. It's very rare this this year to uh, get concussed in a game and turn around and play the following week. It, it's more often than not that the player sits at least one week. Um, so, uh, given the matchup against the the Lions and the fact that he's going to play 80, 90 percent of the snaps, I think this is a good spot. I have him ranked as the low on wide receiver three.
0: Lions also allowing a league high in receiving yards per game to opposing slot receivers where Moore still played when Corey Davis exited the game because Denzel Mims came in on the boundary last week. And then, of course, in their last four games since the bye, Corey Davis has been limited or inactive in two of those games. And that's when Elijah Moore was back and Robert Sala's good graces and recorded at least an 18% target share in those two games as well. It just sets up well for Moore. And honestly, I would start him over DJ Chark, given the matchup, and jameson williams but go ahead and talk on jameson williams paulson since maybe he earns enough reps to be a flex option maybe
1: well i think he went from one route to six routes so if he if we extrapolate if we yeah if we extrapolate we're gonna be at 36 routes This week, week, I don't think
2: we, by week twenty-three. That is
1: some yeah. math right there. <laughs> no, no, one times six is six, and then six times six is thirty-six. Just breaking down the math, my math for you there. I don't think we're gonna get there uh, anytime soon. But um, you know, I think we mentioned on the pod, or it was the Friday pod, where he is uh, somebody that can make an impact in one play, and that's what happened last week uh, with the touchdown. And you just can't, you can't start a player that's only running six routes. Uh, you know, you have to be, if you're, if you are going to start him, you have to be hoping that he They continue to ramp him up. And now he's getting closer to 20 um, because it's just not uh, sustainable, especially as you mentioned on the road uh, against the jets, really tough matchup for receivers, tough matchup for quarterbacks. Uh, Jared Goff, as you mentioned, the two touchdowns on the road, uh, just unlikely that Goff is going to have a lighted up type game. Uh, So this is certainly a player I would probably stay away from uh, given that we have no teams on by and plenty of uh, options to to choose from.
0: Sam, DJ Chark, Jameson Williams worry here on the road in New York, given that we still believe in Amon Ra above everyone else.
2: For sure. I think there needs to be a little cold water poured on Jameson Williams fantasy value because Paulson mentioned he can he can have a day with with one catch, but that's that's the same for every single fantasy player. they can you know get a, score a long touchdown and at this point in the fantasy playoffs where it's a win and go home, win or go home, you can't trust someone who has run eight total routes or seven total routes over the last two weeks combined. He, again, he's explosive, he's dynamic. I'm excited for him next year, but DJ Chark has been the team's primary deep threat. This year, he has a 16.7-yard average depth of target, and it looks like he's fully recovered from his ankle injury with back-to-back 90-yard receiving games. So I think both of these two will cannibalize each other as well with the type of receiver that they are, and there's no way I would trust Jamison Williams in any of my lineups.
0: If Nico Collins were out, did not practice at any point ahead of Week 14, and I don't expect Brandon Cooks to play at all for the rest of the year. Uh, I would also start Chris Moore, who was basically used like Devontae Adams, like 52% of the team's receiving yards, 40% of team targets, 38, uh, four, no, 39% of the team's air yards. I would start Chris Moore also over these Lions receivers, uh, other than Amon Ross St. Brown this week. Let's also have the Chica Conquo discussion, because it needs to be weaved in with Mark Andrews' talk since no one wants to start Mark Andrews, given that he has not recorded over 70 receiving yards or scored a touchdown in six consecutive games. The issue is, Paulson, if you, if you add those complaints to the context, like Andrews has still been a top 12 tight end in three of those six games because the position doesn't matter. We say it. We sit here and say it every week. So, like, he's still a top 12 tight end, but can you do better? Probably. So what are your thoughts on Chigakonkwo? Let's assume Traylon Burks is out and Mark Andrews.
1: Uh, well, is Tyler Huntley at quarterback? Because if he's there, we don't,
0: yeah, we don't know yet. Know. And honestly, like, does it even matter? I don't even. I don't even. I know. think it
1: matters. I think it matters for Andrews, given his numbers with with Huntley last year. And uh, I have, I would have a tough time benching him uh, for Chig. Uh, but uh, you know, Burks is still in the uh, concussion protocol, so I think Conquo is certainly a tight ends one streamer uh, and a pretty good option given his recent usage. He's, he's only playing about half the snaps, but uh, when he's out there, they're targeting him aggressively. And I think he's earning those targets and obviously got the touchdown last week, but I think he had 68 yards receiving the week before. Uh, but with Burks out, they're just so lacking for playmakers in the passing game. And this is a game uh, against the chargers where they they may need to throw the ball more. I mean, they're going to try to run Henry, uh, and control the game that way because the Chargers are among the, the worst in uh, rushing yards allowed. Uh, but if the Chargers put up some points on a very suspect uh, Tennessee passing defense, then they're going to have to throw the ball some, and I think uh, Conquo will get a, be a big part of that.
0: Sam, any thoughts on the Titans passing game? We would expect them to have to go through the air. Uh, given that what Jalen Hurts and Trevor Lawrence has done in back-to-back games, Justin Herbert is about to win fantasy leagues in week 15.
2: It certainly looks that way. I mean, I think Oconquo is is a solid starter going forward. He's averaging 5.7 targets per game over the last three games as a 17% target share. The concern is that he's not running a ton of routes. He hasn't hit... Over 60% routes run in each of the last three weeks, while Austin Hooper has been above that mark in two of the last three weeks. So it doesn't look like they're going to make Okonkwo the full-time guy, but if that that route usage starts to bump up a little bit, again, his targets per route run rate is great because of that, but it's I, I do think the game script will fall in a way where the Titans are forced to b- throw the ball a little bit more And the Chargers defense is still struggling with a lot of injuries as well. So I think this could be a a potential shootout game with both of these teams. And Okonkwo has a good opportunity to fall into the end zone, which would make him the tight end one on the week.
0: I know some people have also been confused with me being consistent and mentioning Okonkwo will go back to the bench if Traylon Burks is healthy. But, like, that's literally what we saw in weeks 10 through 12 with Burks healthy. The Titans used 11 personnel, three wide sets as their primary package on 47% of snaps. And, of course, Austin Hooper was a starting tight end, and that's why Okonkwo wasn't used at all. The past two games with Traylon Bur- Burks injured and then out They've used 12 personnel, two tight end sets on 49% of snaps as their primary package. And yet Austin Hooper has not only run more routes than Okonko in back-to-back games, he's been on the field in 11 personnel in that time whenever they've had to call another receiver in place of Burks to be on the field. So I think it's very clear Okonko is basically going to be useless whenever Burks comes back. The thing is, that was a massive hit a couple weeks ago, and as of Wednesday, Burks are still in concussion protocol and not practicing, so still a good chance Okonkwo hangs on here. Let's get to some charts ahead of Week 15, though, and Sam, you want to begin with the Panthers running backs, because now we've seen in Sam Darnold's two starts that the playoff-bound Panthers who control their own destiny are hiding Sam Darnold, and who can blame them? Uh, the Highest run play rate, neutral game script in these two games, and also 40 running back carries per game. So what are your thoughts on this backfield rotation?
2: So before the the bye week, Deontay Foreman had sort of dominated the workload. He had a 54% snap share, 66% of, excuse me, the backfield carries in that sense Christian McCaffrey had left the team. He returned, he got a 21 Carry outing. He had three carries inside the 10, but unfortunately failed to convert any of those into a touchdown. And then Chuba Hubbard came in and found the end zone on his lone carry inside the five. But Hubbard had 14 carries and, and looks like the passing down guy in this offense. He saw three targets. He played on 85% of the team's third down snaps. So if Hubbard is out there and you're struggling at for wide or excuse me, running back production, I think Hubbard is certainly worth an ad at this point, and I, I don't think their their game against the Steelers this week is going to force them to throw the ball a ton. But if they're in a, a a situation where they might be, then I think Hubbard is worth probably a start. I mean, I it's it's probably closer in in my mind between Hubbard and J.K. Dobbins than I think people think because again, Hubbard is a no name. Dobbins was explosive last week, but we, we pointed out all the concerns earlier. And with the matchup, like I said, I think I would still lean Dobbins, but Hubbard is, is certainly someone to keep an eye on.
0: And the Panthers are favored by nearly a field goal in this game over what will definitely be Mitch Trubisky under center, given that it was Kenny Pickett's second concussion in the last two months. And I've been arguing, Paulson, that Hubbard has the higher floor, like Sam mentioned, over Foreman. Uh, given that Hubbard has at least a 9% target share in two of his last four games with Foreman, whereas Foreman hasn't even reached a 7% target share in any of the last month with Hubbard. But at the same time, Foreman has the higher ceiling because he has seven touches inside the 10-yard line to just Hubbard's two in that time.
1: Yeah, I, I think this is a tough backfield because they will go hot hand. So whoever's doing well, Tends to get fed, and that could be Foreman next game. Uh, he didn't have a good game last week at all, compared to to Hubbard. And given the matchup, it was really disappointing. Um, but I have them both ranked as low end RB threes this week, just not knowing who's going to to kind of take off. But the a couple things I noticed about the chart and just wanted to mention is Rashad White uh, showing up nicely in the chart, and he's also. Uh, held on to the starting job uh, with Fournette back. Fournette did play 47% of the snaps, but was out-touched 18 to 10. Uh, so it does seem like, you know, it wasn't that limited, Fournette, and uh, almost got doubled up in touches. I'm wondering if this is a real shift now in this backfield. And, you know, everybody talks about how White is not as good as Fournette in terms of his uh, analytics, but his uh, yards per carry has been 4.31 or higher in three of the last four games. Uh, which is something that we've talked about a number of times on this podcast, in that the Bucks can't run the ball, but he's been really good actually the last uh, four weeks uh, running the ball. The other uh, player I wanted to mention is Alvin Kamara. is kind of flying under the radar the Mark Ingram injury, uh, with but with Ingram out, uh, Kamara's uh, touches should increase pretty significantly. I, you know they've got David Johnson there and uh, Dwayne Washington, who I think is actually the RB two there. They might run uh, Taysom Hill a little bit more, but whenever uh, Mark Ingram has missed time when they played together, he and Kamara. Uh, Kamara has uh, really seen his touches and his floor rise. So I think he's a you know a solid RB1 this week with, uh, with the Falcons.
0: Kamara has handled 85% of backfield touches in four games. Ingram was injured or inactive for this year compared to just 71% of the team's touches and seven surrounding games with Mark Ingram. You also want to discuss the ongoing Bengals running backs situation, Sam. As we saw, Samaj P. Ryan did get out touched, sixteen to five, but ran three more routes than Joe Mixon. And honestly, given the statuses of T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd, I do think Samaj P. Ryan hangs around as the team's second, third best receiver, and uh, does offer flex value for deeper leagues. Like if you're that desperate and snuck into the playoffs.
2: Yeah, I don't know if you mentioned. Hayden Hurst either. Uh, not sure what his status for the game is this week, but they're, the, the Bengals could be struggling for pass-catching options like you mentioned. Mixon returned to a 57% snap share compared to just 38% for Samaj Pirine. but Pirine did have uh, two more red zone snaps than Mixon and got the lone carry inside the 10, and they were both even in high-value touches on the game. We've seen the Bengals want to use P Ryan as the pass catching back and in most of their two minute drill drives, it's, it's P Ryan who's on the field instead of Mixon. So I think with the way this offense is going, and again, they're good enough. I, I think that P Ryan is worthy of being started as a flex option. And is someone I would most certainly, again, I don't want to keep going back to Dobbins, but I'm, I'm sure he's, on the minds of a lot of people, I'd probably rather start P. Ryan over Dobbins at this point.
0: Any thoughts on the Bengals offense without, I'm assuming, without T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd this week? Tyler Boyd, who I think is going to miss the next two games.
1: I think they, I think both players have some upside as receivers, but P. Ryan has been the better, I guess, fantasy receiver among the two between him and Mixon. But the thing that I noted was that Mixon's 58% snap rate was his lowest in any non-injury game this season. So they did seem to make a concerted effort to get P. Ryan on the on the field for at least another series. Than you know what he's been seeing with Mixon healthy, which does give him a bit more flex value. We've we've seen him have big games even with Mixon healthy, um, at, specifically as a receiver. So uh, there is some upside there given the, the all the injuries in, in Cincinnati.
0: Sam. You also want to discuss, we talked about earlier, the Browns wide receivers, but you have a chart that goes more in depth on that situation.
2: Yep. So Paulston mentioned earlier that the offensive coordinator for the Browns said he sort of wants, he wants Deshaun Watson to throw the deep ball more often. If you have the lovely fantasy life app, you would have known that several hours ago as well. But the – The best part about the Browns right now is that they're one of the more concentrated passing attacks. It's really just Amari Cooper and Donovan Peoples-Jones as the only two wide receivers. They're the only two who have run a route on at least 55% of the team's dropbacks this season and who are averaging more than three targets per game. I mentioned last week that the Browns had a negative 17% pass rate over expectation in their win against The Texans, it was at negative 2.2% this past week. So still negative, but uh, I guess a step in the right direction for these pass catchers. And David Njoku has been playing well as well. So he's been involved. But I do think that Amari Cooper and Donovan Peoples-Jones can be flex-worthy options going down the stretch here with uh, assuming that Cooper is healthy and playing.
0: Any thoughts for what people are doing with the Browns wide receivers beyond this week as well, Paulson? Since coming up, yes, they have the Ravens this week, but also the Saints the following week.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the Deshaun Watson uh era has not gotten off to a great the greatest start in Cleveland. And you know, he did throw for over, I think it was 275 uh game two went a little bit better in terms of what you're expecting from a, a, pa- a nfl passing attack and i think he's gonna get there he he has a history of being a top five fantasy back, uh, quarterback so um i think it's, it might take some time to to shake off the rust maybe more than some of us thought that he you know he thought he would come right back in and and be a, a qb1 but you know as you mentioned this week i would not feel great about starting him against the ravens this looks like it's going to be a a low scoring game uh but it, it, they are showing some willingness now to throw the ball a bit more, and especially when they do fall behind, like they did uh, with Cincinnati, that they were willing to kind of cut loose and, and get away from the very run heavy, one heavy run heavy ways. So I think that does bode well for Njoku, Cooper, and Donovan's Peoples Jones in the long run.
0: And finally, Sam, you want to discuss the Rams' wide receivers from Baker Mayfield, who? Recorded 61% of his passing yards on the last two drives. I attribute that to the Raiders being the worst team in the NFL, not to anything he did.
2: I I can hear the inflection in your tone (laughs) that you're not super excited about this. And people should not be excited about the Rams receivers either, since Cooper Cup and Allen Robinson both were, I guess, sort of ruled out for the year. Tutu Atwell, Ben Skronik, and Van Jefferson have 16, 14, and 14 targets, respectively. It it's just too dispersed, uh, and I don't know how Baker Mayfield won Offensive Player of the Year just based on one good drive alone. I I just think, again, with it being spread to being too spread out, and this team just not having any consistency whatsoever, you can quickly dismiss anything that has happened with the Rams in the past and going forward.
0: They're definitely a joke, but honestly, like in deeper leagues, if I had to choose one, like at least we've seen, well, we saw nine targets on the third most routes for Tutu Atwell this past game from Baker. But not only that, he has six carries the past two weeks, and he was reportedly pulled into like running backs and tight end meetings and practice this these last few days because they're trying to like get him more concerted targets and teach him the offense more so if i had to choose one for deeper leagues i'm actually leaning more on atwell than Ben jefferson who was on the field for a route on 100 of dropbacks this past game
1: well Skornik had seven is it Skornik? i don't know how to pronounce his name seven Uh, for 80 skronic Skronic. he had seven for 89 and eight targets which is pretty nice rapport uh pretty good usage but I mean, I think he'd be a PPR, deep league-only flyer. I think Atwell is interesting. He had the two carries for negative five yards, so he did at least have two carries. He's trying to get him the ball in the running game. Uh, led the team in uh, targets, which I think is the key. Nine targets, five for 50. Uh, and then Van Jefferson obviously got the headline because he uh, caught uh, the touchdown, but he only had four targets. Um, I think Van Jefferson, you know, I think coming into this year, the general consensus was that he was probably the best of these three. Um, but, you know, right now we're looking at a very spread out uh, passing game. Uh, we're not exactly sure uh, who Mayfield's going to favor. But if, you, if, you're, if you're looking at next week's game or next week's box score and uh, Skronik and uh, Atwell are both, you know, seven plus targets, then it might, be start, uh, might start to pay attention to those guys as potential PPR fill-ins in deeper leagues. But I think a lot of, you know, people that are still playing at this point don't need to be looking at these players at all.
0: Ben Skoranek, the most I-want-to-men cash this showdown slate player of all time. Also, Baker Mayfield and the Rams, seven-and-a-half-point dogs in the tundra of Lambeau on Monday night, so nothing to get excited about yet again. Paulson, what else do you have coming out for the people at 4-4 this week?
1: Well, Sneaky Starts, got the podcast on Friday. As you mentioned, I'm uh, doing a – uh, Q&A with our YouTube subscribers, but you have to be a YouTube subscriber to 444 Football uh, at 3.30 Eastern, 12.30 Pacific. I guess I'll be looking at my rankings and answering start sw- sit questions for a half hour. I've also got our AMA on our subscriber Discord on Thursday. Do that every week for about an hour, depending on how many questions I get there. Uh, but yeah, just getting ready for week 15.
0: The Concurrent cheap stakes. In the chat right now should go ahead and hit like, and subscribe before they join your Friday Q and a Sam, what else do you have on the site for everyone?
2: Hop into conclusions was out this morning. The breakout article coming tomorrow as always plenty of charts on the Twitter feed. And that's it. We only got two more, two more of these shows left seasons flying by
0: no complaints. I will be back with TJ Hernandez on Friday. People mentioning what are we doing about the Saturday games? And we will be opening the show with Saturday games and also have DFS articles on the Saturday slate for everyone discussing in-depth more for both DFS and redraft purposes. That Lions-Jets game we mentioned, but also Browns-Ravens, how to attack that. And then, of course, what I think is is a terrible game between the Dolphins and Bills, much more than a lot of other people think. But we'll go in-depth on the offensive situations on Friday, 6.30 p.m. Eastern, I think I'll be recording around Chris Allen's poker night. I don't know. There's a lot of moving pieces here for Week 15 playoffs. So, until then, we'll see everyone. Thank you for joining, and remember, be a little bit kinder than one.